a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn. You still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, today is going to be pretty packed, actually. Uh, so I'm going to have, I think it's four segments. So we're going to go into I Have Spoken First, then a quick archer training, then a fairly lengthy I've Got a Bad Feeling About This, and then a more at the very end. So uh, hope you all enjoy. It's going to be busy. We're going to be a little all over the place, but uh, we're going to be talking. The overarching theme is going to be the rule of two. Um and I've touched on that in my one of my earlier episodes about an introspective into the Sith, but this is going to be a more in-depth look at it and uh, a little bit of a rant about a change that's been made to it recently uh, in a new source book. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. Alrighty, so kind of as I hinted at last week, um, this is actually was going to be my episode for last week, but then I had really bad allergies, I barely had a voice, uh, so I decided to push it to this week, but, uh, recently I listened to on audiobook the entire Darth Bane trilogy, which is a non-canon, uh, trilogy of books that were released, uh, back when the extended universe was a thing before Disney acquired Star Wars. Um, and they are all, uh, written by Drew Carpishan. Um, and I think that he's a fantastic storyteller. Um, and I really, really enjoy his writing style and I just loved everything about these books. And so these books in order, if you want to check them out and I would highly recommend that you do. And if you're like me and you don't feel like you have quite enough time to read, like physically sit down and read books, then I'd say that audiobooks are a great option. This is not a sponsor, but audible is what I use. Um, and they, uh, the great thing about Star Wars audiobooks is they have music and sound effects and all the stuff that makes them super immersive and super awesome. Uh, but in order, the books of this trilogy are Path of Destruction, Rule of Two, and Legacy of Evil. And essentially, the overall storyline is following Darth Bane and his rise to power and his eventual um, creation of the Rule of Two. And so, unfortunately, all these books are non-canon, but I personally hold them to be canon in my head canon um just because there hasn't been any real contradiction of it thus far except for um what i'm going to be talking about in i've got a bad feeling about this here in a sec but as far as the books go i loved every second of every one of them uh they gave me a whole new perspective on how powerful bane is uh in my brain bane was kind of more of like not necessarily weak, but he wasn't quite the strongest of the Sith, but he was smart enough uh, to avoid being killed and happened to outlast his peers in the Order and eventually created the Rule of Two just because he was the only one left. But it, like, as shown in these books, he is as powerful as he is cunning, and that makes him super, super formidable, and he is terrifying to think about. And... I think that the context surrounding his creation of the rule two makes a lot of sense and adds a lot of significant layers to the Sith that we see more in the movies because we get to see their legacy, the legacy that they preserve of his vision for what the Sith needed to become in order to defeat the Jedi. 
I think probably my favorite part about the trilogy was that we got a really cool glimpse into Bane's perverse and sadistic mind, which is so terrifyingly fascinating. And it feels really strange to be rooting for such a terrible person because, like, he is a really, really bad person. Um, and he is literally the embodiment of, like, evil and selfishness. And But he's portrayed as a very compelling protagonist. And we, you find yourself rooting for him even though like he has very few redeeming qualities other than the fact that he is very smart and he gets the job done but at the end of the day he is terrible he's a really really awful person very very selfish and very very um power hungry but i mean that's what the sith are so it's not surprising necessarily but to me it's surprising how willingly I accepted him as a protagonist rather than just kind of like rooting for his downfall. But I found the books really, really compelling. That's about all I can say about them without giving spoilers. Um, but I would highly recommend to anybody to go ahead and check them out. I thought that they were absolutely fascinating. And I feel like while there's some stuff like, I know that the book Darth Plagueis is kind of dense because it's a little more thoughty as far as like it's like it's it's more conceptual and there are a lot of star like little easter eggs and stuff sprinkled throughout it because it's set so close to the actual uh skywalker saga that it's harder to follow i feel like this is isolated enough that even if you don't have great mental pictures for everything in star wars you'll still really really enjoy it um and so i I really, really love this. These are some of my favorite Star Wars books that I've read up to date, and I would highly recommend them to anybody. Um, okay, so with that said, let's dive into a quick Arc Trooper training where I'm just going to go through the basics of the Rule of Two and some new context that I have regarding uh, some new stuff that I've gotten from the Darth Bane trilogy. So it's time for Arc Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an Arc Trooper? Alrighty, so very basically, the rule of two was the ideology that um, Sith of the Bane era adhered by. And it was essentially that, according to how Yoda put it in The Phantom Menace, always two there are, no more and no less. And we get a little more context about why that is in the Darth Bane trilogy. And I'm gonna, th these aren't spoiler heavy i don't think that any of this is necessarily anything that's going to ruin the books for you i think that it's just cool context to have um so the sith of bane's era had a very set hierarchy and they had kind of what was similar to the jedi council called the brotherhood of darkness um and essentially they had restructured the sith empire in order to combat the pervasive um killing that would happen with the original Sith. Essentially, they would kill each other to attain power, which is kind of the whole idea of the selfish ambition and individualism that the Sith um, promote. And so they had effectively eliminated the main source of the Sith's power, which was competition. And they had settled for shared power and inadvertently become like the Jedi, kind of complacent and sharing power even among those who were probably too weak to deserve it by ancient Sith standards. Um, Bane identified this um, 
this issue with the way that they were operating and learned from past Sith mistakes, like the fact that even super powerful Sith who gained a following could be overthrown when their followers would unite to overthrow them. Even if they were all collectively, individually weaker, they were collectively stronger. So, but he identified the fact that eliminating competition removes the possibility for the weak to be called from the strong in the Sith. And rampant competition within a large order can cause the weak to overthrow, many weak to overthrow a single strong, which also causes unnecessary chaos and decentralized power. So his solution was the rule of two. And to concentrate power in two individuals, a master and an apprentice. One to embody the power and one to crave it. And then once an apprentice had learned all that they could from the master, they would challenge them and either live and ascend to the role of master or die and fail. Thus, the master would choose a new apprentice and the cycle would start again. And so none of this is necessarily new, but I think the context surrounding why Bane decided to make this change is super, super interesting. And I won't give away how he ended up uh, eliminating the rest of the Sith. I think that that's something that you need to experience for yourself because it's a really cool thought out scheme. Um, but that's about all that I have. Now time for the meat of this episode, which is I've got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. Alrighty. So the reason for this, I've got a bad feeling about this is the fact that Disney has effectively changed the origins of the rule of two. And while the reasoning remains the same, according to the source book, they have incorporated new lore into existing lore in order to patch up holes uh, in the plot of The Rise of Skywalker, which is episode 9, for those of you who don't know. Um, so according to this new source book called Secrets of the Sith, which is a sequel to last year's book called Secrets of the Jedi, which was essentially Luke Skywalker's account of the Jedi of the Clone Wars era, which was super cool. Um, this is uh, Darth Sidious's account of Sith and kind of how their order evolved. It doesn't go too far past uh, the prequel era, but it does kind of... It mentions Darth Bane, it mentions Darth Plagueis and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't... It's not like... It doesn't go into ancient... Sith history. It's pretty contained to what we, or it's completely contained to what we know in canon. Um, but the big thing that bothers me about this is that the predecessor of the Rule of Two, as stated by this new source book, is something called the Doctrine of the Dyad. So we first hear of a dyad in Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. And we hear about this from Darth Sidious, who says that Rey and uh, Kylo Ren, then the redeemed Ben Solo, have created something called a dyad, which allowed them to transfer life essence to heal, heal others and transport physical items to each other across great distances. Which is, okay, cool. A dyad, that's a new thing. That's something that we haven't heard of before. It's not super expounded upon, but it could be in the future. Awesome. Two powerful force individuals have some sort of bond afforded to them by the force. Super cool. Not much else to say about it, but 
According to the book, which is written from the perspective of Palpatine, like I said, it implies that the rule of two was made as a direct result of the doctrine of the dyad. Essentially, that two Sith would attempt to create a dyad to attain a sort of quote-unquote unlimited power. And this makes me mad for a couple reasons. One, first and foremost, this is a direct alteration of the original vision of George Lucas and what he thought of the Sith to be. And I understand trying to backtrack and trying to kind of uh, patch up holes in your movies that you made because you made a crappy film, but I really don't think that you should sacrifice long-standing lore because you were sloppy and didn't think through your plot. I think that that's super disrespectful and super frustrating. Just that, like, it's... Disrespectful is the best word that I can think used to describe it and that's just more my emotional response my i I don't see it feels weird calling it an intellectual response because i'm talking about star wars and it means a lot to me but I, i don't know that it's a super intellectual conversation necessarily but my star wars fan like my star wars intellectual response is that this is a direct contradiction to everything everything that the sith stand for Because the ideology of the Sith, as I kind of talked about earlier, is centered around a selfish pursuit of individual power. And the rule of two itself is built upon the assumption that the apprentice will covet the power of their master enough, and so absolutely, that they will be driven to murder their master in order to claim it. But the concept of a dyad implies that two individuals must form a mutual connection in order to tap into a source of unlimited power afforded to them both which means that they would share power, which just blatantly contradicts what the aim of the Sith to begin with. And so that being said, why would the Sith even entertain the idea of a path to power that causes them to rely on another person to help achieve and sustain it? And also, this is a little less so, but like the only elements of unlimited power that we're given, quote-unquote unlimited power, are healing and object teleportation. And just right off the bat, that's kind of lame. Like, especially if you put it in the lens of unlimited power. That's not super impressive. I mean, that's more... It's different than anything we've ever seen in the past in Star Wars, except for kind of healing. But we... I mean, like, if that's what you're going for, that's not particularly impressive, at least in my opinion. And on the subject of healing, that is a, I don't, see, this is what makes me mad because obviously the people that made this change and wrote this into the book just fundamentally don't understand Star Wars because the Sith aren't healers. They're takers and they obtain power and influence at the expense of others and healing others at the expense of their own life force wouldn't be appealing to them. And it makes me, it makes me so upset because, like I said, it's one thing to kind of retcon stuff and backtrack things after there's a big uproar of negativity and uh, hate surrounding a film. I completely understand that thought process, but to go back and Because the rule of two has been around since the Phantom Menace. 
that idea that there are only two, no more, no less, it was established by George Lucas himself. And while the lore was not necessarily established by him specifically, like the Darth Bane trilogy wasn't written by George Lucas, but it still spits in the face of what he set up. And once again, I'm not one to say that the sequels ruined my childhood or anything like that. And if you do enjoy the sequels, more power to you. I I don't wish that I could enjoy them because that sounds kind of cheesy, but I don't discredit you for enjoying them because I think that Star Wars is and should be what anybody wants it to be. For the for as far as fans are concerned, I think that there needs to be a little more care taken as for, from a creative standpoint. But <clears throat> whatever makes you happy, that's fantastic. And what Dave Filoni said, I'm, this isn't a direct quote, but the idea was that ultimately Star Wars should be a happy thing. It should leave you with a good feeling. And something that doesn't leave me with a good feeling is. People in these Disney story groups who obviously just don't understand the lore and are only really fixated on what they've created with the sequels and are trying to make this a sequel-centric franchise, which it's not. And I don't understand because they've had so much success with The Mandalorian, Clone Wars Season 7, there's so much hype around Book of Boba Fett, the Obi-Wan show, all this stuff. And there's so much negativity around the sequels. Why do they keep trying to circle back to it? I don't understand. It reflects poor judgment and an inability to read the metaphorical room. I, it, it makes me upset. And I, the sad thing is, the concept of a dyad is actually something that I found extremely interesting. And it's something that I, out of everything in the sequel trilogy, one of the things that I wanted them to expound upon more because I found it interesting. I thought, okay, two very powerful force individuals forging a unique bond that afforded them great power. That's a cool, that's a cool concept. And it makes sense that it would be made stronger if the two were of the light side because the light side is a selfless is a selfless entity, whereas it gives, whereas the dark side takes. And so it wouldn't make much sense. And obviously Kylo was dark side for a while, but he was also very conflicted. And so I kind of liked the concept of a, this dyad being the force's way of pushing him back to the light, showing him the selfless side to the force that he had strayed away from. I thought that that's a great way to, to describe it. And I think that you could point out like, oh, maybe... Anakin and Ahsoka, or Anakin and Obi-Wan, had a very weak form of the dyad in the Force. But it, it's these are things that are connecting two individuals who have a, an existing connection, and it gives them more powers. And that's why like Obi-Wan and Anakin, or Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, were so effective as leaders and generals in the Clone Wars, because they had this extra little special sauce, as it were, helping them along with this concept of a dyad. And to have it twisted, I don't know. I, I don't think it was necessary to incorporate it into existing lore like they did. 
because it, it just feels desperate and pitiful and like just a weird last-ditch move to make their crappy movie more relevant, which I just find disrespectful, sad, disappointing. I could go on. But I'll leave y'all with this, and this is the biggest thing that makes me angry because I was looking for something like this, and I found it pretty immediately, actually, when I started looking. And this is uh, from my source book that I get a lot of stuff from nowadays called Star Wars Absolutely Everything You Need to Know. Um, This is from page 82, talking about uh, Darth Sidious. And so it's a little question and answer. So question, does Darth Sidious share his power with other Sith? Answer, never. Sidious shares power with no one. When Darth Maul and his brother Savage Press became rivals to his power, Sidious defeated them both. Boom, right there in a canon book. The answer to why I'm so mad. Sidious doesn't share his power with anybody. He wouldn't share it. He said that they tried to create a dyad with Plagueis, with Vader, and then he's hoping to create one with Rey. Why would he do that? He doesn't want to share his power with anybody. He doesn't even want, at the very end, he doesn't even want it to be the rule of two. He wants to be the Sith Eternal, the one true Sith ruler for all eternity. He doesn't want to share his power. So why the hell would he want to create a dyad? It makes zero sense. And at this point, I don't think I'm being very coherent because I think I'm a little more emotional than I am logical. And so I'm going to stop. I'm going to digress. But this makes me really, really mad. And I try very hard not to get too heated about this stuff because I know it's it's fiction. It's not real. And it shouldn't affect me as much as it, sh- as much as it does. But I mean, it, this is a really important thing to me. This is something that brings me a lot of joy and something that, if y'all hadn't noticed, I take very, very seriously, regardless of whether or not it actually truly means anything. It means something to me. And it, like I said in my very first episode and in my episode with Scott Fonseca, this is an escape for me. This is something that I go to when I want to get away from the bad things in life. And to have it treated sloppily and without real thought for the repercussions of what the things that these people that are in charge are doing, it makes me it makes me very upset. But like I said, I digress. It is what it is. I personally am not going to be accepting the doctrine of the dyad to be the precursor to the rule of two. And I don't normally say this. I'm not normally the kind of guy to be like, well, that's not canon to me. This is not canon to me. Because it fundamentally makes no sense in the context of who the Sith are and everything surrounding the rule of two back all the way back to its conception with Darth Bane. The Sith aren't sharers, they're takers. Therefore, the concept of a dyad is moot in the eyes of the Sith. 
And that's the last thing I'll say. So, went off the rails a bit there. I warned you all that might happen. That said, this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. Alright, like I've been trying to do recently, I'm going to try to stay on theme for this more. And what I have for y'all today is that Darth Bane, as portrayed in The Clone Wars Season 6, uh, in the arc where Yoda searches for the secrets to immortality, um, Darth Bane was, the, or the, the essence of Darth Bane that Yoda encounters, is portrayed, voiced by Mark Hamill, who is, if you didn't know, the actor who had played Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy and in the sequel trilogy. So uh, that's just a cool little tidbit. Mark Hamill is a fantastic voice actor. If you don't know, he played uh, the Joker in a few of the animated Batman movies and shows. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, he'll Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Bane in canon. Uh, the only canon iteration of Darth Bane that we've seen on, on screen. Um, so yeah, that is all that I have for this episode. Um, make sure you stay tuned uh, for the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. If you didn't watch the one that I've already put out, uh, you can go back and watch this episode 44. I talked with John Grimes and Hobbs Al-Asadi about... Um, the uh, new anime show Visions, as well as uh, some video games, and then they did the Ranking Master. It was super fun. Uh, and then coming up, uh, and it's going to be a Friday in November. I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to put it out yet, but I'm going to be sitting down with uh, my brother Jeb, and Sean is going to be on again, uh, and we're going to be talking about Jedi, and we're going to play a few games together, and they're both going to do the Ranking Master as well. It's going to be awesome, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be on a Friday. Um, follow me on Instagram, at Twin Sun Talks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast, and uh, make sure to subscribe. Follow us on streaming platforms. We're available on Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, and then we're also, we also have a website, which is twinsuntalks.wixsite.com slash twin-sun, um, which if you don't have Instagram, that's where I post a lot of my little graphics that are of relevance. Yeah, that's about all I have. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.